This is Karim Mugo, and you're listening to the Nairobi Ideas Podcast. This is Ruth Kimani, and you're listening to the Nairobi Ideas Podcast. So there's two of us hosting the podcast this week, and we're going to be replaying one of our favorite episodes from the podcast. It's an interview with activist James Waikibia, whose grassroots advocacy helped push into law Kenya's plastic bag ban. The ban, which came into effect in 2018, restricts the use of all plastic carrier bags and flat bags, which are typically used for commercial and household packaging. This makes Kenya one of the earliest adopters of plastic bans in the world. And the fines for plastic bag use are some of the harshest in the world, with fines of up to $40,000 for individuals who are found in violation. But before we get into the episode with James, I've got Ruth on the show because she's going to be taking over hosting for the next few episodes of the podcast as we launch into a new season. Thank you, Kare. It is quite the honor to be a guest host in this upcoming season. I am really excited. So Ruth, what can we expect from season four of the Nairobi Ideas podcast? In this season, we get to discuss the ends of climate change and demystify the text as we talk to African researchers, scientists, and activists in this field. So if I'm not wrong, you are a scientist yourself, am I correct? Yes, I am. Tell us more about your science background. I studied industrial biotechnology, which explored the science of pharmaceutical products and the manufacturing including the the microbiology and all the biochemistry that goes into the production of drugs and manufacturing of the pharmaceutical products. That sounds very intense. I am non-scientist and I continue to just be impressed by the things that people decide to go study. So what makes you interested in the topic of climate change in particular? I have always been conscious of the environment and growing up, I took a keen interest in waste and waste management in our country, Kenya, and how waste affects our environment. This interest led me into the overall subject of climate change, how the greenhouse gas emissions contribute to overall global warming. The season is definitely very timely. It's very relevant. And I'm very excited to see what you do in the next couple of episodes. So to our listeners, that's it. We're handing back the microphone to the scientists in the Mawazo house. Stay tuned. And for now, let's get back to James Waikibia and Kenya's plastic bag ban. Today, we are joined by James Wakebia, who is a photographer and environmental activist that is creating awareness on plastic pollution and advocating for plastic regulations and bans. James is also a team lead at Street Nakuru, a citizen lobby group that creates awareness on governance issues and uses social media for advocacy. Now, James is also widely credited for Kenya's ban on single-use plastic bags, which took effect in 2017 which made Kenya one of a growing number of countries that is taking action against the menace that is single-use plastic waste. His tagline on Twitter is, less plastic is fantastic, and he has no shortage of plastic jokes. Welcome, James. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in studio. How are you today? Very fine. It's an honor to be here. 
So um, you have this phenomenal story of, of how you sort of came to be this well-known activist who now travels the world advocating against the use of plastic. But I'm wondering, who was James before he became an environmental activist? Tell us a little bit more about your background. Who is James? James, before the ban, was just any other ordinary citizen, you know. But I think I had some some love or some passion for for activism because I remember joining Boniface Mwangi in the streets of Nairobi I think in around 2009 2010 then I became an environmental activist somehow by by accident or by anger I'll say because it happened that uh, after going back to Nakuru from Nairobi I often uh, passed through a section of a road that was completely polluted by trash from Nakuru's biggest dam site and it made me so much annoyed that I felt that I should do something you know so I began doing something I began taking pictures you know writing opinion articles demanding that the dam site should be closed and relocated and uh, it gradually grew to to something out of control that are something I never even imagined because when I was doing it, I was not doing it as a campaign per se. I was just expressing my anger for bad solid waste management. So that's how it started. That's very interesting. The fact that you and Boniface both have these uh, backgrounds around photography and then you find yourself sort of becoming an activist because you just see something and you feel that this, there's something here that needs mm-hmm. to be done and that angers me. Did you grow up in Nakuru? Is that your hometown? Is that where you live? In fact, I was born in Nakuru in a small quiet village called Matuiku in uh, Rongai Division. Right now it's called uh, Rongai Subcounty. Okay. And I remember growing up in a very clean environment, you know, taking care of my parents' keto in a very green area. You know, I would go under a tree with a book and look after our keto. And then it happened that I came to Nairobi with this confusion and madness. I lived <laughs> in a place called, uh, first I went to, to Pipeline. I think everybody who comes to Nairobi first lives in Pipeline. Mm-hmm. I went to Pipeline and I would see very polluted environment, so much plastic and mm-hmm. sewage and it got in me. I was crazy about it. I mm-hmm. felt like people shouldn't live that way. Then uh, I, I moved to Huruma, the same case, very dirty. Mm-hmm. So when I went back to Nakuru and then finding the dam site and uh, the pollution that was going on, I felt uh, like it, I had reached some level that I should do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you did do something about it. Yeah. So before I get into the next question, I'm going to read off some current statistics around how we as humans are currently interacting with single-use plastics. And the idea behind this is to kind of help our listeners get a better sense of the issue at hand. I think you have some really good insight on it. So here we go. It is estimated that over 1 million plastic drinking bottles are purchased every minute around the world, and another at least 2 million plastic bags are used every minute. According to the Great Britain Royal Statistical Society, only about 9% of all plastic ever made has likely been recycled. Now for context, uh, the first synthetic plastic was produced in 1907, so we're talking about 93% of plastic. Plastic that has been produced since then has not been recycled. Now, in 2015, the amount of plastics produced was equivalent to the total mass of two-thirds of the global population at the time. High-income countries tend to generate more plastic waste than middle- or low-income countries, but they also tend to do better at plastic waste management. 
plastic bags have been shown to cause considerable harm to both environments and wildlife. But Africa at least leads the world in plastic bag regulations, with 34 countries having passed plastic bag bans. And Kenya has the highest penalties in the world for the use of single-use plastic bags. So a fine can attract between 2 million Kenya shillings to 4 million Kenya shillings, which is roughly 20,000 to 40,000 US dollars. So there's a lot of incentive to not use uh, plastic bags. So there's a lot to digest there. But the point being made is that there's a lot of non-biodegradable plastic waste that is being created. And that something needs to be done about it. And you've been working on this issue for some time now. And you've kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, you got inspired by seeing just waste everywhere and going, there's something that can happen here. Mm -hmm. But take us through the specific um, campaign to ban plastics, which I think was uh, started under hashtag ban plastics KE, or did it begin before that? It began before that, but, you know, to make it uh, a campaign, I had to think of a, a catchy word, you know, ban plastic KE. And it was born in the year 2014. After starting it uh, in 2013, so the ban plastic KE came around 2014. And that's when I really got uh, onto it, you know, on social media, on uh, blogs, mm -hmm. everywhere. I would talk about um, the plastic crisis, you know, and I was joined by friends. We, we opened up a WhatsApp group called the streets of Nakuru. That group really helped me escalate the idea and the campaign. So Ban Plastic KE was trending one day in Kenya on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Minister for Environment, then Judu Wakungu, Mm -hmm. tweeted back and said she was in support of the campaign. That's kind of a big deal to yeah, have it was the such, Minister for Environment yeah. tweet you back. Yeah. It was such a, it was such a big deal and uh, that's when I realized that I was not fighting a losing battle. Mm. You know, when the Minister of the Environment responds to your tweets. Right. You know, so immediately after she said she supported the campaign, a new campaign was inspired, you know. Okay. You know, it was born mm -hmm. and the new campaign became I support Ban Plastic KE, basically from her words. Mm -hmm. And possibly she doesn't know that, but she inspired the birth of a new campaign called I support Ban Plastic KE. And Ban Plastic KE was an online and a street campaign. Okay. I would go into the streets of Nakuru and take pictures of people who support my campaign. Those people I met, I discussed with, I explained the, the problem we were facing. And if they agreed and saw that plastic was really a, a crisis, they took a picture with a placard written, I support Ban Plastics KE. And once I had those pictures, I would uh, now go on Twitter and Facebook and share those pictures with mm -hmm. uh, with captions explaining what I did that day and the people that I met. And it was not just in the streets of Nakuru. It happened everywhere. It happened in Nairobi. I showed Ali Manzu, John Githongo, and, who, and who are these very people? many people. These people you're naming for oh, our listeners. People, we have a very global oh, audience here. So. Yeah, beautiful. So... I shot uh, big personalities in Kenya, like yeah. uh, Ali Manzo is uh, a KTN uh, news anchor, and uh, John Githongo happened to be anti-corruption Caesar in Kenya. So having them uh, support my campaign was was good, was amazing, mm -hmm. you know. And I also reached so many other people, ordinary people in the streets, even out of the country, like uh, Earth University in Costa Rica. Also, so many students supported my campaign. That's amazing. Which was quite awesome. So we had those two hashtags, Ban Plastic KA, which now became I Support Ban Plastic KA, and uh, adding in 
to it, I did a lot of writings, news articles, opinion articles, I shared lots of pictures just to escalate my campaign until it reached everyone. You know, the power of social media is something so powerful. Mm -hmm. You can reach many people at a click of a button. Right. And I knew the power. And so I used it a lot. That's phenomenal. And if you have not seen James' campaign, you can find it online. And it's got a diversity of people, you know, in a diversity of places. Mm. Well, in some really interesting photos. But I don't want to assume that this was a very smooth path that you see something, you take a photo, and then the minister responds, and then there's a plastic bag ban, right? Take us through some of the challenges that you had. I had quite a number of challenges because fighting plastic and doing such a campaign without any form of funding, you know, it fast into my pocket. Mm -hmm. And as a photographer, I don't earn a lot. And because it was passion and something that I loved, so I spent a lot of time on it. I spent a lot of money on it. And that spending a lot of time on it also uh, became an issue, you know, with my family. My wife thought I was now married to the internet. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult to stop something that you love so much. Mm. You have full passion yeah. on it. Yeah, beside that, there were people who thought that I was was paid by organization, by companies who had alternative kind of packaging. And they thought that I was there to see that they lose their, um, their jobs so that I would bring mine oh, wow. of some kind. Which was not the case because my only interest was to see a clean environment. Mm -hmm. I have no company that sells alternative kind of packaging mm -hmm. up to date. And I have no interest of opening one. I have many people who have told me, now that you talk about uh, giving alternatives why don't you show us alternatives right open up a company mm -hmm. and uh, doing that might not work for me because the kenya association of manufacturers and those lobbies that support uh, plastic industry will have something now to say right that you had an agenda yeah. the whole time to yeah, just an make profit and revenue yes so my own my own interest is, is to see clean environment <coughs> devoid of plastics you know and that my two-year-old boy would live in a clean environment today, 20 years to come, and mm -hmm. his kids will live in a clean environment. That's all I want to see. And guys, James is really serious about plastic. You can't see this right now in the studio, but uh, he has shamed us, first of all, for having plastic bottles here. And then he's drinking from a reusable water bottle that reads, mm. friends don't let friends drink from plastic. So I want you all to take this as a challenge. I'm personally taking it as a challenge. Friends mm. don't let friends drink from plastics. Thank you for continuing to push us to be more conscious about how we're consuming things. So I want to bring up the fact that there has been some challenge from the Kenya Manufacturers Association around this plastic bag ban, and there has been an attempt to continue to block the expansion of this plastic ban, right? So with that in mind, I mean, we're two years now from this ban that was applied against, you know, single-use plastic bag, and a lot of people have questions as to whether this is working, and, you know, there's been some criticism around the fact that this was not fully thought out, you know, the where is the recycling? Where is the incentive, you know? So with all of this in mind, do you think that plastic bans work? Do you think this ban is working? Do you think that it accomplishes the vision you had when you first put that hashtag on Twitter that said ban plastics KE? Yes, you know, I can compare today with two years ago. The environment is much cleaner. The streets and roads that were once full of plastic litter do not have any. And if they have, it could be plastic bottles, mm -hmm. you know? But plastic bags are not fair. If you went two years ago and saw trees with multicolored uh, kind of flowers, which were plastic bags, you see red, yellow, and all that. Today, those trees can breathe in a sigh of relief. 
because mm-hmm. there are no plastic bags. The drains of are okay nowadays. They have no plastic bags. So I, I can confidently say that we have saved the environment quite a big deal of plastics. In fact, going by a research that was done uh, some about three years ago that said supermarkets alone used to issue around 100 million plastic bags per year. And that's in Kenya alone? Yeah, in okay. Kenya. You know? That's a lot. That's a lot. That is to say we have saved the environment over 100 million plastic bags in one year. Wow. And that is just from the supermarkets alone. So plastic bag bans work. I can say Kenya's ban has been like 80% successful. We have a few challenges here and there, but we are doing good. That number of 100 million plastic bags alone, you know that those aren't being produced. So every Mm. year we go, we have another 100 million bags that Mm. we did not put out in the environment. And to think of Kenya as a really small country. So when I think of the larger countries and trying to put this in context again, then, you know, how many plastic bags are produced in a country like the United States, right? In comparison. Mm. Yeah. So I feel personally proud to be Kenyan right now. Thank Mm. you for your work on that. Before we let you go, it is a podcast tradition here the Nairobi Ideas podcast to ask our guests about their big idea. What is the big idea for the world that you envision, for the world that you were creating, and how does your work right now help you get to that world you're envisioning? I envision a world with less plastic because less plastic is fantastic, you know. So there is <laughs> Way to plug that in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, less plastic is fantastic. When you see so much plastic treated in the in the environment, you feel bad, you know? And once you hear a country after another one is burning single-use plastics, you feel like people are now getting conscious of environmental issues. Already a report that was done by World Economic Forum some years back paints a green picture saying that by 2050 there might be more plastics in the ocean than fish. Wow. So I want by 2050 we have that statistic to be done away with mm-hmm. because we have uh, done away with uh, single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. So my whole dream is to see a world w- with uh, less plastics with the sustainable kind of packaging. Packaging that can be recycled, upcycled and uh, my, my mind is to, to completely do away with single-use plastics. I like that vision for the world that we have. And I was recently reading something online. Someone did a deep dive to the deepest part of the ocean and found that plastic had already made it there before they had. The threat that we face for me is very, it's very present. It's very here. And and I think people have a hard time grasping that this isn't something that's happening then. It's happening now. You know, we have to work as a global community to protect the environment. Kenya has to do its own part to protect its side of the environment. America has to do its part to protect the side of the because we live in one environment, you know. If Kenya pollutes its side, another country cleans its side. We're almost doing like zero work. Right. Because you cannot uh, urinate on one corner of the swimming pool and expect the other corner to be to be clean. So I we like have that to analogy. work. It's yeah. like an African proverb. <laughs> so we have to work together as a global community to protect this environment because it's one so that we all benefit from it. No need of one country polluting and the other one, I don't know, buying carbon credits so right. that they can try to balance mm-hmm. the equation. There's mm-hmm. nothing like balancing the equation. Mm-hmm. We must all stop polluting, you know. Well, I think you are continuing what is the, a long legacy of environmental conservation in Kenya, particularly. I think we've been very good at, mm. at sort of leading the way. Kenya is a global leader in matters of conservation. 
And I look forward to seeing um, what you continue to do with your projects. I realize we've skipped a very important part. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about single-use plastics, but I don't know that necessarily our audience or everyone listening knows what single-use plastics mean. What what are we talking about when we talk about single-use plastics? Single-use plastics are plastic that we use once and we throw them away. Like a uh, mm -hmm. plastic straw. You mm. use it barely five minutes, it's that's gone. it. Yeah, It's thrown away, it's never recycled. Mm -hmm. A plastic cup, especially mm -hmm. those uh, single-use plastic cups we get from coffee shops. You know? Uh, Guys, James is shaming me again because we just had coffee downstairs. Yeah, and I uh, think he's just out here to make sure that we do nothing but use reusable have, cups. <laughs> we have this uh, plastic drink uh, bottle. These tiny ones. Are special, a small bottle uh, of uh, water. Yeah. <laughs> they are very dangerous because they are not even recyclable. So I'm going to use this. Not me. Uh, my own. It's going to be used once and then it will be thrown away. It will never be recycled. Mm -hmm. So my message to the studio is to completely do away with this, this kind of plastic bottle for more reusable kind of bottles because they are available. Yeah. Only that the plastic industry has done a very good job of perpetuating the narrative that plastic is life, that we cannot do away with plastic, you know. Mm -hmm. They have put a blind on our eyes that we have plastic is a necessity. And it's cheap. That's the other and thing. And it's cheap. Plastic is cheap. Which is a lie. It's a fallacy. You know, we can do away. Like I, I have done away with most of the plastic bottle I could be using. And you've probably saved a lot of money by reusing that one bottle. So I always tell, try to tell people, avoid plastic as much as possible because less plastic is fantastic. <laughs> Tagline, guys, again. So if you are looking to have James come in and tell you what you could be doing to reduce plastic in your life or engage with him on his initiatives, where can people find you? People can find me on social media, on Twitter, James Wakibia, on Facebook, James Wakibia, on Instagram, James Wakibia, everywhere, James Wakibia. And you're also on Medium. He does some really interesting writing oh, yeah. on Medium, so I'm please medium do feel too. free to check out that. Thank you so much, James. Thank you so much, Rosanona. In closing, thank you so much for joining us for the first episode in our Climate and Conservation series, where we are sitting down with scientists, activists, thinkers, innovators, and decision makers who are helping to engineer sustainable African futures. To find out more about James Wakibia and to find links to the data shared in this episode or to listen again, you can find us permanently on the Nairobi Ideas podcast page at mawazoinstitute.org backslash podcast. You can also subscribe to the Nairobi Ideas podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. From all of us here at Mawazo Institute, bye and keep it nerdy.